Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. No. This is Creepy. A podcast dedicated to sharing the most famous, chilling, and disturbing creepypastas and urban legends in the world. Whether these stories truly happened or are simply fabrications is for you to decide. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Creepy presents, my daddy says we can never go home, but he won't tell me why. Written by a crooked wolf and narrated by Megan McDuffie. The only thing he ever says is, I'll tell you when you're older, which is one of my least favorite things to hear because he says that a lot. Well, mostly he says it when I ask him things about the magazines and weird medicines we see and all the gas stations we stop at, but we stop at a whole bunch of gas stations, so it feels like it's a lot. Once, when we were in some motel in Arizona and he was real tired because he'd eaten too much food, I asked again, and he said it was because of my mama. He said that she'd done something very, very bad, and so he had to take me from her because I was important. I asked him what she'd done, and he said that my mama had been really desperate for some reason and made a deal she shouldn't have, and because of that, he had to take me. The way he said it sent a shiver down my spine, same as when I first heard about those people that kept going missing back in the town we'd left behind. But I'm pretty brave. I asked him what kind of deal meant we had to keep driving every day, doing lazy laps around the country with no destination in sight. Was it a drug thing, like I always see on TV? But he rolled over and passed out before I could get an answer. I thought about what he'd said while lying in bed, though, as I waited for the thunking of the metal radiator to quiet down so I could go to sleep. I was real curious what kind of deal my mama had made. I came up with all sorts of theories, like maybe she was a hitman who worked for El Chapo. I heard about him on TV but she made a deal with the police, and now me and my daddy were doing witness protection. But when I told my daddy that the next morning, he laughed and laughed and laughed, and then told me that he'd made up the stuff about the deal because he was dead, tired, and wanted me to stop bothering him so he could get some sleep. But no, it was not El Chapo we were running from. I was annoyed he lied to me, but I was also kind of relieved, because El Chapo was the scariest thing I could think of, and I'm just glad it wasn't him. When I said that, my daddy only laughed some more, which I thought was rude, but adults are rude in general, so it was okay. But not my mama. 
She was never rude or mean to me. I miss her because of that, and for a lot of other reasons, too. But my daddy says I should forget all about that because he doesn't know if it'll ever be safe for us to see her again. Anyway, last night we pulled up into this roadside motel somewhere in Nevada, and I decided to go for a walk. My daddy is real protective, but when we're out in the middle of nowhere like this, he loosens up a bit. He always says that in this world, there are only two kinds of people, the predators and the prey. He says that when most people look at me, because I'm still pretty little, they see prey, so I gotta be careful of that. He says he'll teach me how to be a predator one day, but that's another one of those things that he says can wait until I'm older. It's kind of annoying when he says that. Just makes me wish I could get older faster. But then he says that isn't a thing to wish for, which I'll understand when I'm older, and then I'm back where I started anyway. So I went out into the parking lot to play around a bit. The moon was just a sliver in the sky, but I've always been pretty good at seeing in the dark so I could see fine. For a while, I chased around this big lizard I saw. I thought about what the Discovery Channel said about predators, and so I practiced crouching down like a lioness, stalking across the sand, then leaping and roaring out like I was the queen of the jungle. But I was quiet, because my dad says it's not polite to be loud, and anyway, lions are real quiet to begin with. I pretended that the dried-out Mojave was the African belt, that's a word I learned from TV, and I think it means desert, because when I was back in school a long, long time ago, we learned that Africa has a lot of deserts, and that the lizard was a gazelle or an antelope or something, and I felt really strong. The lizard was too fast for me, but I've seen antelopes on TV, and they're pretty fast too. I just needed to get better at the stalking part of being a predator. I'm pretty sure this is the kind of thing my daddy will teach me anyway when I'm older, so this is just me getting a head start, and I got pretty close, so I know he'll be real proud when he finally tries to teach me for real. After a while, I realized there was a man watching me. I didn't notice him at first, because it was already dark and he was standing in the shadow of a car, but at some point I smelled something funny and saw the pinprick glow of a cigarette in the darkness, and then I realized there had to be a hand holding it. I let up on the lizard when I saw him, he made me nervous. My daddy is big on safety, and he's taught me about stranger danger, so I was pretty suspicious immediately, especially because it looked like the smoker was just standing there, not moving. I couldn't see his eyes, but I could feel them on me, and in that moment, I found myself remembering what my daddy had said about predators and prey. I know I said that I'm pretty brave, but I'm also not stupid. I kept thinking about those people who went missing back in the town I came from, and how everyone kept saying it was something to do with human traffic. Every time I hear that, I picture columns of naked people packed out onto the asphalt of a massive road, squashed together, no space among them, a writhing highway of wailing flesh. That's why I'm so scared of El Chapo, you know? I figure you gotta be on drugs to think that human traffic is okay. Picturing that freaked me out enough that I went back to the lights of the motel. I did a wide circle around the parking lot to stay away from the smoker, and by the time I got to the front and looked back at the car he'd been sulking at, he was gone. I shivered. 
You know how when you see a big, ugly spider in your room and then it disappears, that's even worse than looking right into its beady little eyes? I got that same feeling as I scanned the parking lot. Eventually, I decided uneasily that he must have gone away. I wondered if I should tell my daddy. He'd probably freak out if I did, though, and he wouldn't let me play outside alone anymore, which I didn't want. But I could figure that out later. All that prowling had gotten me very hungry, and I still had a couple quarters in my pocket for the vending machine. When I was standing in front of the machine, trying to decide if I was feeling chips or candy right now, I heard a voice from behind me. You're Lila, right? Now that did freak me out, because my daddy said I couldn't use that name anymore. He said that the El Chapo stuff was really wild, and he had no idea where I had even learned about El Chapo from but it was actually a good idea to think about what we were doing like witness protection. So we needed new names, and if anyone ever tried to call me by my old name, I had to tell them that they were wrong, and then get away as quickly as possible so I could find and tell my daddy immediately. No, I said real fast before I even turned around. Lucky for me, because it's a stupid name. That was a lie. It's actually the coolest name ever, but I had to say it for my own protection even if it meant sabotaging the reputation of an amazing name. Only when I finished turning did I see the guy who'd managed to sneak up on me. I'd known it was the smoker by the smell already. I have a really good sense of smell, but he didn't look like how I expected him to look. To be honest, I had been expecting El Chapo. Instead, I was looking at someone tall and skinny with a long, dark jacket over a nice suit. At least... I assume it was nice, because I don't know why you'd wear a suit otherwise. Also, the smoker was a woman, which I almost couldn't tell from the voice. It was so hoarse from cigarette smoke that I really had thought there was a man standing behind me. She looked like a grown-up version of Mackenzie Willems, who'd made fun of me back in kindergarten. I immediately didn't like her because of that. When the smoker saw my face, she frowned. She didn't have a cigarette anymore, but she still reeked of them, and I held the hold back from puking, because that would have been rude. Are you sure? Sure as can be, I said confidently. I'm Emma, which is a much cooler name than whatever you said. Actually, the name my daddy and I had decided on was Sadie. I wanted violet, because purple is my favorite color, and I thought it was pretty, but my daddy said it would be too memorable. So now I'm called Sadie, even though it's kind of boring. But I told the smoker Emma because I'd been thinking about El Chapo, and that's the name of his current wife who just got arrested. So, one, I was already thinking about her, and two, I didn't trust this woman. So I figured there'd be no harm in giving her an even faker fake name. Emma, the smoker repeated. For a moment, some kind of emotion tried to fight its way through onto her features, but then she seemed to actively flatten her expression as she thought really hard about what to say next. I knew that was what she was doing, because adults do it to me all the time, especially when I mention El Chapo, which I think I might do too much for my age, or for anyone of any age, really. The smoker knelt down eventually, until her head and mine were at about the same height. Actually, I was a little taller now, which made me feel a bit more confident. I'm sorry. I must have mixed you up with someone else. That's okay. Adults do that a lot, even with their own kids. There's this girl named Lila who looks just like you. 
she continued, completely ignoring me. But she's gone missing. Her mother misses her very much, so there's a whole lot of people whose job it is to try to find her, so her mother won't be so worried anymore. I'm helping to keep an eye out for her at places like this. Oh, I said stiffly. Don't know why you'd be looking for her here. If I were her, I'd probably try to go to Disneyland. Of course, that's what I do too. But we don't think she went off on her own. We think her father may have kidnapped her. I don't really think it's kidnapping then if it's her daddy, I said defensively, even though I knew I shouldn't. I needed to work on keeping my mouth shut. Maybe he decided to take her to Disneyland or something. Still seems like that's the place to look. He sniffed haughtily. Sounds like you're not very good at your job. She laughed, which kind of made me mad. Adults are always laughing at kids like we don't know what we're talking about. I hope you're right, Lila, because we're worried that she doesn't know the truth about her father, and that's why she's staying with him. That got my attention. What truth? I asked, a little too quickly. Uh, I'm kind of curious, because this is sounding like one of those crime shows on TV, and I love watching TV. Her father is a very dangerous man, she said. Her demeanor had changed very suddenly. It was a lot more serious now. It seems like wherever he goes, people disappear. We think he and Lila may be in this area because there has been a trail of disappearances across the U.S., and this would be one of the potential next stops along the route. Oh, sorry. That obviously couldn't be true, right? This had to be some kind of trick. She was probably part of whatever group that was forcing my daddy and I to keep moving to begin with, and now she was trying to trick me into messing up. But she wouldn't get me. I was smarter than that. About what? I said, a little delayed, finally processing her random apology. I'd been too distracted by the other stuff she'd been saying. I called you Lila, she said, on accident, but you didn't seem to notice. A sudden chill passed up my spine. Her blue eyes glowed up at me from where she knelt, but I didn't feel so confident about being taller anymore. Predator and prey. I caught on too late. I had already messed up. Sadie. I felt a wave of relief as my daddy's familiar voice cut through the silence. The smoker blinked and the moment broke. She stood up brushing herself off, then gave me some kind of meaningful look as she turned towards where my daddy was now approaching from the parking lot, a bag of takeout in hand. Daddy moved past the smoker and laid a hand on my shoulder. I could tell that he was mad, but not at me. What's this about? He asked, an edge to his voice. Just chatting with your daughter, the smoker said casually, an easy smile on her face. She's pretty smart. Funny, too. She sure is. Daddy pulled me more tightly to his side. What were you two chatting about? Oh, nothing interesting. Current events, one might say. My daddy's eyes narrowed, and he began to pull me away. Well, thank you for keeping her entertained while I was out. Have a nice night. Of course. It was my pleasure. Although... As he stopped and glanced back at her, the smoker leveled a look at my daddy. 
I thought I heard you call her Sadie. She told me her name was Emma. Daddy glanced down towards me as I gripped his hand and gave him a guilty look. He squeezed my shoulder reassuringly, as if to say it was fine, even though I felt bad about it. Then he looked back up and matched the smoker's gaze. You must have misheard. The smoker raised an eyebrow at the blatant lie. Both of mine shot up too. Did I? My daddy nodded. For what felt like a long time, all I heard were the owls. Somewhere a coyote wailed. After a tense moment, the smoker shrugged. I've always been bad with names. You know, for some reason, I keep wanting to call your daughter Lila. Strange, right? Time seemed to freeze. The owls, which had been filling the night with their screeches and hoots, suddenly fell silent, as if they too were holding their breaths for what came next. Lila, my daddy said calmly, handing me the paper takeout bag. Why don't you head back to the room and start eating? I'll be right there. I jolted at the use of my real name. I looked up at my daddy, shocked, but he wasn't looking at me. Oh, okay, I stammered. Are you sure you don't want me to? No, it's all right. I just want to have a quick adult-to-adult -adult conversation with... His eyes narrowed at the woman in front of him. I don't know that I caught your name. As I rushed back into our motel room, the paper bag clutched in my arms. I caught a whiff of something else, slicing through the scents of hot oil and food. It was the same sour odor I'd smelled from that convenience store clerk back in Arizona, the one who'd said I was pretty cute when we stopped by late at night, the same night that my daddy later told me that stuff he made up about my mama. My daddy had come in from filling up the gas when the clerk was asking me if I'd ever had a boyfriend before. He got mad then, too, his special, quiet kind of mad, and told me to grab some snacks and go back to the car. I remembered him saying he was hungry earlier, so I'd asked him if there was anything he wanted. He said no. He would get something to eat himself. When I left, the clerk had gone stiff. There was this sour kind of smell coming off of him, but at the time I thought it had been the nasty gas station hot dogs with their questionable quality meat. I paid no mind and left with some chips. Sometimes I was embarrassed that my daddy was so overprotective, but the clerk had been starting to creep me out, so I was okay with it this time. I waited for almost half an hour. It was late, and we were in the middle of nowhere, so no one else came by. When my daddy came out, it was with nothing, so I'd asked him if he'd forgotten to grab some food. No, he'd said. I ate while I was inside. But thanks for taking care of your dad, Sadie. I puffed up with pride, but in case he'd meant the hot dogs, it was my duty to let him know what I'd smelled. Just so you know, those hot dogs smelled funny. I think there was something wrong with them, so if you ate them, you might feel sick later. And if you do... I'll make sure to take care of you. He gave me a strange, placid smile in response. Always looking out for me, huh? Don't worry, I noticed it too. That smell might seem bad, but it doesn't mean the meat has gone bad. When you eat something that smells like that, it'll be even sweeter. But it's a bit of an acquired taste. It'll grow on you more when you're older. 
I didn't think so, since it smelled pretty nasty to me. They frowned. Like Brussels sprouts? Oh god, no, he said, scrunching up his face and making some exaggerated noises of disgust. Now that you're older, here's a secret you can't tell anyone. That's just something adults tell kids. I've never met a single person who actually enjoys Brussels sprouts. I'd spent the rest of the week high on the thought that I was growing up, which is why I had the guts to ask my daddy about why we were running later that night. It was enough that I didn't even really think about why he wouldn't let me watch the local news for a little while after that. I remembered all that as I rushed back into our motel room, the memory triggered by that strange, sour smell. It faded and disappeared as I shut the door behind me. No... This time it wasn't bad hot dogs. This time it had definitely been coming from her. My daddy didn't come back until much later because I'd already fallen asleep by the time he got back. And I'd waited for a while too. I'd polished off a burger and fries and stayed up watching some more TV. El Chapo's current wife Emma is in court and it's this whole thing, you know? And only when I started to get really tired did I settle down to go to bed. You'd think I'd be more bothered about what the smoker had told me, but eventually, I realized that I trusted my daddy more than I trusted some random lady. He'd promised to tell me everything when I was older, and I trusted him to keep that promise. I fell asleep, listening to the sounds of the desert outside. There was a fox that kept crying somewhere far off, long and high. It sounded just like a woman screaming but eventually it tapered off into silence, drowned in the emptiness of the desert, and I drifted off into a peaceful sleep. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Creepy presents Stabby Stabosaurus. Written by H.G. Lewis and narrated by Jimmy Ferrer. Anybody home? I called out dropping my backpack onto the dining room table, wondering where my mother and little brother were. Normally when I get home from school, my mother was in the kitchen starting to get things ready for dinner, while my four-year-old brother, Liam, was in the living room watching cartoons or playing with his toys. I didn't see any sign of either one of them, but I knew they had to be in the house somewhere because my mom's car was parked outside in the driveway. Mom, I called out, making my way across the living room and over to the hallway that lighted the back of the house where the bedrooms were located. That's when I noticed that the door to her room was closed. If my mom was in there, it meant she was taking a nap with Liam. And that only tended to happen on days when Liam was being extremely difficult. If they were taking a nap, it was in my best interest to let them sleep as long as possible. Not wanting to risk waking either one of them up, I returned to the kitchen instead of going to my room. 
Most days I'd play on my computer until dinner was ready. But since my room was right next door to my parents' room, that wasn't a good idea. Liam was a light sleeper, and if I accidentally woke him up before my mom was ready to get up, she'd be pissy for the rest of the day. I guess I'll watch some television, I said to myself, grabbing a can of soda from the fridge and carrying it over to the couch. I rarely got to watch anything on the big screen TV in our living room, because it was usually being hogged by my little brother, even when he wasn't using it. My parents didn't like me watching my shows on it, I'm afraid Liam might see something inappropriate. So when an opportunity like this arose, I didn't let it go to waste. When I sat on the couch and reached out to pick up the remote, I realized something was already playing on the TV. I hadn't noticed that before because whatever was playing wasn't making any sound. Plus, my back was to the screen until I sat down. I placed my thumb on the home button of the remote and named it at the TV, intending to press it and return to the main menu. We had a dozen streaming apps loaded onto the TV, and I was eager to see if anything new had been added to any of them. But I lowered the remote without pressing the button, drawn in by whatever weird show my brother had left playing. I stared at the television, wondering what the hell Liam had been watching. It was obviously one of his shows. It featured a person dressed up like a weird-looking blue and green dinosaur, wandering around a set that was supposed to resemble a classroom, if the classroom had existed during the Stone Age. The person in the costume reminded me a little bit of Barney, a little bit skinnier, and a whole lot scarier looking. I couldn't tell what this show was about. Was the dinosaur supposed to be a teacher or an imaginary friend like Barney was? I had no idea. It wasn't really doing anything except tidying up the classroom as far as I could tell. The longer I watched, the more I started to think that maybe the show was aired live and they forgot to turn off the cameras when they were done shooting for the day. That would explain why nothing was actually happening. You are one creepy motherfucker, I said after finally getting a good look at the dinosaur's face. The name Beelzebarney popped into my head. Combination of Beelzebub and Barney, which was likely inspired by the dinosaur's sharp teeth and demonic features. It even had a pair of curved horns growing out the top of its head. Whoever had designed that costume should be fired. There was nothing cute or kid-friendly about it. Well, hello there, the dinosaur said in an overly cheerful voice that did not match its evil visage. It was staring into the camera, addressing the audience while eagerly waving its left arm in greeting. I didn't hear you come in. When it finished speaking, it giggled gleefully. I guess the show's about to begin, I assumed, which meant it was time for me to change the channel, so to speak. Why would anyone choose to watch this over Barney? I asked out loud, lifting the remote again and pointing at the TV. Can Barney do this? The dinosaur asked, holding a, a cute little stuffed bunny, stroking its fur for a moment before shoving it into its mouth and biting its head off. Well, can he? 
he asked after spitting the head out. Okay, I said, raising the remote and pressing the home button. I think I've seen enough to know I don't like this show. There was nothing amusing about it. Watching a man in a dinosaur suit abusing a stuffed bunny. I was shocked that my mom would let Liam watch a show like that. It was clearly not intended for children. However, it was possible she didn't know he was watching it. Liam knew how to use the remote and could have put the show on when my mom wasn't watching. You can't get rid of me that easily, the dinosaur said. He was still on the screen, standing there with his hands on his hips. That's weird, I said, pressing the home button over and over again, trying to make the dinosaur go away. But the remote didn't appear to be working. There's nothing wrong with your remote, the dinosaur said. Seemingly able to see me as I turned it over and pulled the cover off the battery compartment. How are you doing this? I asked, setting the remote down and walking over the TV so I could kneel in front of it. I had heard of interactive programs before, but nothing as sophisticated as this. I was curious how it worked. Similar programs required to use the remote to interact with them, but not this one. Doing what? The dinosaur replied coyly. Um, this. I gestured back and forth between the TV and me. How are you able to interact with me? Have you ever heard of the magic of television? The dinosaur giggled. Anything is possible here in the land of make-believe? Twirled around in a circle with his hands in the air. Fine, I said. Keep your secrets. It was obvious I wasn't going to be able to get a straight answer out of him. Can you at least tell me the name of your show? With that information, I figured I could look up the show later online and see what it was all about. Of course I can, he answered excitedly. My name is Stabby. He twirled around in a circle before striking a ta-da pose. And this is the Stabasaurus Show. The what show? I asked, wanting to make sure I heard him correctly. The Stab-O-Saurus Show. He repeated, clearly enunciating each syllable. Would you like to hear our theme song? Uh, no. That's okay. I'd rather not, I said. Stabby ignored me, walking over the cartoonish-looking boombox in the corner of the room and pressing the big red button on top of it. I said no, I yelled out, trying to be heard over the jolly tune that had started to play. I know this song, I thought to myself, immediately recognizing the melody for If You're Happy and You Know It. As the intro of the song played, Stabby ran off screen, returned a moment later, carrying two mannequins under his arms. One was male, the other was female. He set the mannequins down on the floor, positioning them so that there was one on either side of him. Then he began bobbing to the rhythm of the song. If you're unhappy and you know it, stab your mom, he sang, reaching behind his back his left hand. When he pulled the hand back out, there was a large knife in it, 
then used the knife to stab the female mannequin twice after he finished the line, keeping time with the song as he swung the blade down. This is fucking insane, I thought. If you're unhappy and you know it, stab your mom, he repeated, stabbing the mannequin two more times. This can't be real. If you're unhappy and you know it, grab a knife and really show it. He danced in a circle around the mannequin, waving his knife around. Okay, okay, I get it, I said, trying to get him to stop singing, but he kept going. If you're unhappy and you know it, stab your mom. When he finished singing the final line of the first verse, instead of stabbing the mannequin, as I thought he was going to do, he swung the blade at its neck and decapitated it entirely. I had hoped that was the end of the song, but it wasn't. There was a second verse, which he immediately started singing. The second verse was the same as the first, except the word mom had been replaced by dad. As he sang, he stabbed the male mannequin just as he had done to the female one, also decapitating it when he was done. I sighed in relief when the music finally cut out after the second verse putting an end to that fucked up song. What'd you think? Stabby ass, tossing his knife off the screen. Pretty catchy, isn't it? This is a joke, right? I asked, a smile coming to my lips. That was the only explanation I could come up with for the absurd shit I was seeing on the television. Should have thought of it sooner. It had to be a prank. Nothing else made sense. Where's the camera? I stood up and began looking around the room, assuming I was secretly being filmed and that was how the person in the dinosaur suit knew what I was doing and saying. Who put you up to this? I asked. It was William, wasn't it? William was a friend of mine from school at a YouTube channel. He was constantly pulling stupid stunts to get views in the hopes of one day becoming monetized. I couldn't think of anyone else crazy enough to pull off a stunt like this. If it was him, he had really gone to the next level with his pranks. I was impressed. I returned to a kneeling position in front of the TV, expecting the person in the stabby costume to pull off their mask and reveal who they were. Admitting that there is no stabby the Stabosaurus show, and that I was just a victim of some elaborate prank. All right, guys, I said to the TV. You got me. You can come out now. Stabby turned around and walked over one of the tables behind him and picked something up. When he returned to his original position, he held up a photograph, which the camera zoomed in on. Does this look like a joke? He asked, twisting the photo from side to side. In his hands. Mom? I whispered, recognizing the person in the photo. But that couldn't be right, because the person in the photo appeared to be dead. My mom wasn't dead. She was taking a nap. That's not real, I said, trying to rationalize what I was seeing. The camera zoomed back out to show Stabby. As I watched, he turned the photo around so that it was facing him. What do you mean it's not real? 
he asked, placing his free hand on his chin, pretending to be deep in thought as he examined the photograph. It looks real to me. It can't be real, I insisted. My mom's in her room taking a nap. Snabby pulled his hand away from his chin and reached behind his back. When he pulled his hand back out, he was holding very large magnifying glass. He held the glass up to his face, giggling as he used it to distort his features before using it to look at the photograph. It's real, he declared, tossing the magnifying glass aside. If you don't believe me, go check for yourself. I turned and looked at the entrance to the hallway. Okay, I stood up and faced the hall. I will go check, just to prove you wrong. But I couldn't get my feet to obey me. I just stood there, staring in the direction I wanted to go. The sooner the better, Stabby said. The longer you wait, the worse the smell gets. When I glanced back at the TV, a cartoon of a decomposing body was playing on the screen. The smell the body gave off as it rotted away was depicted as an angry green cloud that was ready to assault the senses of anyone foolish enough to get close. I'm going, I snapped at him. I was just trying to help, he replied. Forewarned is forearmed. None of this is real, I said to myself, trying to get up the courage to go and check on my mother. It's just a prank. Your mom's fine. She's just sleeping. You're going to laugh when this is all over. You'll see. I took a step closer, and then another, slowly making my way out of the living room and down the hall until I was standing before the door to my parents' bedroom. While I did that, I could hear Stabby loudly humming the tomb of his theme song. Mom, I called out, knocking on the door. I did catch a whiff of something strange as I stood there waiting for her to answer. It smelled metallic, sort of like iron. But I assumed it was just my mind playing tricks on me. A suggestion that was planted in my brain because of the cartoon Stabby had shown me. Mom! I called out again, louder this time. I didn't get a reply, but I could hear someone singing on the other side of the door. I stepped in close so I could hear better, immediately recognizing the voice. If you're unhappy and you know it, stab your mom. Liam sang softly in his lisping way. I threw open the door, about to confront Liam, asking why he was singing that song, but the words fell from my lips, unspoken. Even though I had seen the photo of my mother's body, that did not prepare me for the sight of my little brother Liam, straddling her waist singing that awful song over and over while plunging a knife into her chest. He must have been doing that for hours. 
because my mother's abdomen was one big bloody hole of mutilated flesh. That metallic smell got so much stronger once the door was open. It was so strong that I could taste it. It was like someone had shoved a bunch of pennies into my mouth. That, along with the sight of all the blood and gore covering the bed, triggered my gag reflex. I stumbled back into the living room, coughing and retching the entire way until I felt my hands and knees in front of the TV. Coughing and retching the entire way until I fell to my hands and knees in front of the TV. I told you it was real. Stabby giggled. What did you do to my brother? I demanded, taking several deep breaths and swallowing the bile that was rising up the back of my throat. He was unhappy, Stabby said, holding up his fists to his eyes like he was crying. Mommy wouldn't let him have another juice box, so I taught him a song that would cheer him up and make it so he could have another juice box whenever he wanted. Stabby walked over to the table and held up another photo. This time of my blood-drenched brother holding a knife. Doesn't he look much happier now? He asked. I staggered to my feet, walked over to the TV and reached behind it, pulled the plug out of the wall. Then I picked up the phone and tried to dial the police, but all I got was a recording that said, We're sorry. All circuits are busy. Please hang up and try your call again. The show's not over yet, Stabby said. The TV was still on despite the unplugged cord lying on the carpet in front of me. I've just added another verse to my theme song, and my friends would love to sing it for you. He jumped into the air and twirled in a circle. What friends? I asked letting the phone fall to the floor. Take a look outside, he said, gesturing off screen. I walked over to the nearest window and peeked through the blinds. Standing in my front yard facing the house was a line of 15 or 20 toddlers. They were covered from head to toe in blood and holding knives of various sizes. I recognized a few of them from playdates they had all had with Liam. I ran across the house and looked up into the backyard, where another line of toddlers had gathered. From the way they were spread out, it looked like they had the entire house surrounded. Are you ready, kids? Stabby called out. The group of toddlers I was looking at all raised their knives and smiled. Let's sing our new theme song for Morgan. Stabby walked over to the boombox. On the count of three. One, two, three. He pressed the big red button again and started the melody for the If You're Happy and You Know It. I didn't wait for the singing to begin. I ran into my room and locked the door behind me. A moment later, I could hear Liam out in the hall. If you're unhappy and you know it's Stab Morgan. He sang, joining Stabby and the chorus of other kids outside. When he finished singing the line, he stabbed his knife into my bedroom door. 
making sure the blade struck it to the beat of the song. For even more from Creepy, including how to submit your own story for consideration, please visit creepypod.com. You can also follow us at Creepypod on social media and YouTube. All stories told on this podcast are used under license and may not be rebroadcast or distributed without the express prior written consent of the story's author. Please contact us at creepypod at gmail.com for further information on obtaining the rights necessary to rebroadcast or distribute a particular story. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Item number SCP-5186. SCP-7160. SCP-7533. Object class. Euclid. Keter. Safe. Special containment procedures. <laughs> Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust. <laughs> the only thing I could hear was 7219 <laughs> laughing. Do you remember your name? Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.